Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Malou, and on this week's episode, I have Shankar Sivananthan, critical care doctor at William Osler and at St. Joe's, and most importantly, a, a Raptor fan as well. But uh, Shankar, welcome to the pod, man. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I got to say, in the, uh, you know, the, in the top three goals of the Raptors fan, it's got to be number one, witnessing the championship, number two, being in a away game with Nav, and number three, being on the Will Lou pod. So it's an honor. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you, you've already done it all, man. That's it. You could just, you, <laughs> That's it. You could just fall back now. Um, but listen, before we get to anything else, and we're going to talk about COVID-19 uh, and, you know, how it's affecting the NBA, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll end the show on more positive memories and go, look back at the, the finals and stuff like that. But uh, I got some breaking news, which uh, right before we started recording, it was reported that Kevin Durant is among four Nets players that have tested positive for COVID-19. Um, this is according to Shams Sharani of The Athletic. Uh, Durant told Shams that he's not showing any symptoms, but he is warning others to stay in quarantine. Um, yeah, I just I feel really bad for Durant, man, just because like, like how many things are going to go against him, man? I mean, he's such a great player. Um, obviously we saw what happened last year in the finals. He tried to come back a little too early, uh, and he suffered that, you know, very, very serious season ending injury. Um, and now he's got, you know, just on top of all that COVID-19, like it's, it's just unfortunate, man. It is. No, for sure. And, and, uh, you know, they haven't named the other, the other three players on the Nets yet, but, uh, the poor guy's been through so much and to have, I mean, hopefully it's not really a setback. Hopefully he remains asymptomatic and gets through this without any issue. But just just another thing on the list of things he's been through. Tough. Yeah, and you know, again, it just every single positive case that comes out of the NBA, it makes you worry about the rest of the league. Um, you know, the Lakers, for example, they played the Nets uh, on March 10th, uh, and so the Lakers are now all getting tested. So we'll see. I mean, I mean, I don't even know at this point. Like if LeBron tests positive, something like that, it, I don't even know. But uh, hopefully everything is okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's looking unlikely necessarily that the league uh, will be able to contain this, just because it's it's something that's going to spread so much uh, over the next couple of uh, weeks and months. So first off, Shankar, how how has your life um, and your job been impacted by COVID nineteen pandemic thus far? Um, it's been crazy. Uh, so I mean, like we we first heard about COVID in early January as sort of a potential issue, um, but even even as recently as. 10 days ago, it was still kind of not really in Canada, uh, starting to make some waves in Europe and was on our radar. But um, with, you know, within the last week, since Wednesday, when um, Rudy Gobert tested the positive and the NBA shut down the season, like things have just changed hour by hour. Um, so for me personally, you know, kids, kids aren't in school or in daycare. So just balancing life with me and my wife is also in healthcare, looking after patients with, um, um, respiratory conditions uh, have been challenging. Um, so, you know, things at home are tough. And then on top of that, just like constant meetings and phone calls, trying to figure out how we're going to strategize um, 
hospital resources to look after these patients, um, a lot is changing. And I mean, I don't think we've um, we've had the way that we're expecting yet, but we're all just waiting for it to hit. It's a matter of when, not if. Right, right. And honestly, um, you know, Italy has been sort of this, uh, not necessarily a, a model, but just sort of um, a warning sign in terms of how things might progress. And some of the stories from some of the hospitals there in terms of uh, triaging and things like that, it's just, I mean, it's, it's sounding really scary. And um, hopefully it doesn't necessarily play out in the same way, just because at least, you know, now that it's played out in China, in a couple of different countries and near China in Asia, uh, and also, you know, now in Europe, at least now, I, one would like to think that Canada, the United States, and just every other country has, um, you know, ample warning that this is serious, this is real, please take it seriously, and hopefully they can try to adopt some of the the, uh, the techniques to keep it um, contained. So, Jacker, as a doctor, can you explain what this virus is in terms of its symptom, in, in terms of its virality, in terms of how it spreads and everything like that? Yeah, so to, to talk about the virus, we have to kind of understand where it came from and, and what it's all about. So it's, it's a pretty young disease. Um, COVID-19, the specific virus, popped up in December uh, of 2019. It's only been around for a few months, but there's been a lot of science around it. So we, we understand quite a bit about it. Um, it was first recognized as a cluster of people in Wuhan, China, who developed a very specific pattern of illness in terms of how they presented, the changes on their chest x-rays, their blood work. It was very unique, and the doctors in Wuhan kind of realized that this, this isn't your typical pneumonia. Um, so they, they were able to investigate um, those patients and, and discover this coronavirus, which was new in terms of um, human disease. Since that time, it's caused a total of 80,000 cases in China with people who are symptomatic, and it's now spread to every continent except Antarctica. Um, when they've gone back and tracked the patients who first got sick with COVID-19, they found that there was a common link to a live animal market in Wuhan. But that was really just the first you know, handful of cases. Since that time, it's been all person-to-person spread, um, mostly through travel, which has got it you know, around, around the world. Um, so in, in, in terms of how it actually spreads, so it gets from some, from person to person via droplets, and, and this is the same way that the flu gets around. Um, droplets are created when you cough or sneeze or even talk, and anyone within six feet of, uh, of someone who's sick could potentially be exposed to these droplets. Once a droplet hits the mucous membrane, which is generally on your face, your mouth, your nostrils, or your eyes, that droplet can, or that, that virus in the droplet can then um, get into your system and, and cause an infection. Another way that these droplets uh, can lead to infection is if someone were to cough or sneeze onto uh, a solid surface and someone else were to go touch that surface and then touch their face, um, that, that virus can then get into uh, the second person's body which just, you know, tells you how important it is to wash your hands and, and not touch your face. Um, these droplets and the viruses within them can, can last on surfaces for a long time. So um, they're saying that COVID-19 can survive on cardboard for up to 24 hours, on plastic or stainless steel for uh, even 48 to 72 hours. Um, on clothing, it's typically less because fabric is... Uh, porous and these droplets dry out so the virus dies quicker um, but on anything solid it can it can hang around for a while so um, things that uh, that I would think about are generally um, solid surfaces in public places like doorknobs 
elevator buttons, um, debit machines at the grocery store. These are all places that could potentially hold on to viruses. So um, essentially, anytime you're out, make sure that you're washing your hands to, to prevent those droplets from getting onto your hands and then into your system. Um, so in terms of what happens if you were to get the virus in you, um, it can it can incubate, meaning it can kind of get into your body and start to replicate for up to 14 days. Most people start to show symptoms um, around day three to five after they first get it. And the common symptom is fever. 99% of patients who have symptoms have a fever. Um, and then the other commons are very nonspecific, meaning that they can be seen with COVID-19 or other illnesses like the flu or the common cold. Um, and these are symptoms like having a cough, runny nose, shortness of breath, um, body aches, feeling tired. Um, so, you know, it's really the fever plus these symptoms and a history of exposure that, that, that makes you think about COVID-19. So for people that actually get sick with this, um, most people are completely fine. 80% are mild, meaning that they're, you know, they feel like crap, but they're at home. Um, they're not having to go to hospital, they're not on oxygen, they're not on any specific treatments. About 14% have severe disease, meaning that they're in hospital on oxygen with changes on their x-ray or CT scan, and then 5% of people have become critically ill, meaning that they're in the ICU on a ventilator. Um, the death rate with COVID-19 is uh, still not clear because we're, we don't have a complete understanding of exactly how many people are infected with this, but it looks to be about 1% to 4%, which is um, higher than the flu, but uh, lower than something like SARS. Um, and the unique thing here is that the people who are dying from COVID-19 are older and they have other medical issues. So typically people who are 70 and older are dying um, or patients who've got lung disease or cancer. Um, an interesting finding is that kids are not getting sick uh, when they get COVID-19, and that's probably because they're exposed to so many different coronaviruses, which is the family of um, viruses that COVID belongs to, that they've got some partial immunity, but they can still be carriers, meaning that um, they may not show symptoms, but if they were to visit grandma, then grandma could get it and could get very sick with it. The thing that, the thing that we're not completely uh, clear about is the asymptomatic carrier, meaning people who have the virus but aren't sick with it. So, you know, this is Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant. These guys all have the virus thing in their uh, notice test takes place. They put a swab into your nose and send it send for uh, viral testing. Uh, but they're, but it's not actually making them sick. And the, the only data I could find about this was that there was a cruise ship where they tested all 2,800 passengers. And of the 2,800, 620 came back positive, but only half of those patients had any symptoms at all. Um, and as we've seen in the NBA, you know, of all the players that have tested positive, the only one who's had any potential symptoms is this one uh, player on the net who has some back pain, which really isn't even on the list of um, major symptoms with COVID. Right. So uh, the term coronavirus is, is a categoric term. It's uh, not a, just this specific virus. What, what makes COVID-19 especially dangerous and, and tricky in this sense? Yeah, so coronaviruses are basically the common cold. Um, you know, you and I probably know that, that that the man cold can be devastating, but for most people, <laughs> um, you know, who, who get the cold, it, it sucks for a couple of days, but you, you know, you got a runny nose and a cough and you get through it. The difference here is that is that COVID is in sort of a sub-genus or like a, a, a subspecies of coronaviruses. And it's the same 
type of virus is SARS, uh, severe acute respiratory syndrome, and, and COVID was actually initially named SARS coronavirus two. It's it's a sequel to SARS, um, and uh, SARS kind of wreaked havoc in wreaked havoc in Toronto and Hong Kong in 2003, but didn't really spread outside of uh, here in Hong Kong and didn't really affect too many people outside of healthcare workers. So it wasn't it wasn't a big issue. It's also the same as MERS, which is the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, which was an issue a few years ago, but again, has been pretty much contained to the Middle East. Um, there's been some talk about about uh, a relationship between COVID-19 and bats, and that's because there's, there's a close genetic link between COVID-19 and the coronavirus that infects bats. But what that exact link is, uh, is unclear. It's not sure if a bat may have bit some animal, which is then sold at the market that made someone sick, or if a bat bit a person. It's, 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 not, it's not really clear other than sort of a very um, superficial genetic uh, link. So because it's different from the common cold, it's not, it's not exactly the same type of virus. There, there are some significant differences. Um, our immune systems don't know it. Uh, most of us never had SARS or MERS, and our bodies don't know what this virus is. Mm-hmm. So we we get it. It's able to replicate because our, our our immune system doesn't attack it. And then our immune system starts to freak out. It's like, hey, this is new. It's doing some some stuff in our body. We need we need to go at it. And so when you start to show symptoms, that's that's basically your immune system starting to act up. Um, it's it's trying to limit the virus from replicating. It's trying to get rid of it. And it's weirdly also what makes you sick is your body doing a good job because the the reason people get sick with COVID-19 is that their lungs essentially fill up with pus, which is your body trying to fight that infection. Um, and it starts to eat away at your lungs. Not not the virus, it's it's your immune system that's doing that. Um, and that's and that's really what, what makes people sick. Okay, yeah. Wow, that's, that sounds thoroughly terrible. Uh, what, what's the best way for people to take care of themselves? How can we try to prevent and combat the spread? Yeah, so, I, you know, it's, it's really just limiting. Limiting spread is, is the primary, right? So you, you probably heard these, uh, these keywords, social distancing, flattening the curve. And all that means is, like, we know that this virus is going to wreak some havoc. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go through the world. It's going to make people sick. But if we can try to limit how many people get sick at once, it's going to prevent how quickly that, 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 that number of people that are sick climbs up. It's going to allow us to still function as a society because we've got people who aren't sick. Um, it's going to allow us to use our resources appropriately because we're not going to be overwhelmed. Um, so in addition to really kind of staying at home as much as you can and avoiding large groups, which is now politically mandated after the state of emergency was, was announced by um, the premier of Ontario this morning. Um, you know, there's no more meetings of groups um, larger than 50. They're sort of shutting down non-essential services to a certain extent. Things that you can do pr- primarily make sure your hands are clean. So wash your hands frequently, especially if you go out to do groceries or for a walk or whatever, just make sure you come home and wash your hands. And that means using soap and water for at least 30 seconds. Um, and this is like, you know, obviously the palms of your hands, the back of your hands in between, in, in between your fingers, um, with soap, soap actually breaks down the virus and is arguably more effective than, um, um, hand sanitizers. But if you don't have soap and water, hand sanitizers are, are a perfectly good option. If you're not feeling well, um, in terms of preventing spread, cough into your elbow or cover your cough or your sneeze. Um, don't touch your face. Um, you know, it's, 
it's winter. We're still wearing hoodies and scarves. So it's, it's tempting to touch your face, but try your best not to touch your face because if you've got virus on your hands and you touch your face or your nose or your mouth, um, that, that gives the virus the opportunity to get into your system. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are at work and you know you're, there's, a, there's a common area with, with a bowl of M&Ms, don't be grabbing M&Ms because who knows who touched them two days ago. Um, and that person may be, may be asymptomatic and may carry the virus, but they're still at work. Um, the thing, the thing I wanted to talk about was actually wearing a mask, which I've seen a lot of people doing and, uh, it's, it seems intuitive. Like, you know, people are sick. You want to wear a mask and not get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's actually not effective for, for a few reasons. So the mask itself can become saturated from your breathing and just kind of the environment within, within a couple of hours. And then on top of that, just having a mask, it's irritating. So you're going to, like, you're going to want to touch your face and, by manipulating the mask and, and touching your face, you're actually potentially exposing yourself to to, to this virus and, and 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 being exposed to it. Um, so masks are not helpful, um, and 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 they also take away from being vigilant in other ways, like washing your hands and avoiding contact. So, um, really, you know, if I could boil it down to two things, it's it's three things. Sorry, it's social distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an article in the Washington Post that like ran through four different simulations of, of how this thing can spread. Um, and and um, social distancing is, is by far the best way to do it. And then for personal protection, wash your hands and don't touch your face. Okay. Okay. Uh, is there a way for people to self-diagnose? Yeah. So um, we talked about symptoms. So primarily the things that we're looking at are, are fever number one and then um, respiratory symptoms, so things like shortness of breath or cough. So, if you've got those symptoms, take take a second and 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 think about who you've been around, because the next part of it is contact. So, if you've traveled, uh, especially to anywhere that that is having a crisis, like China, Northern Italy, or Iran, then then certainly um, you're at high risk of having this. Um, the next step after that is. Has anyone that you've been around been traveling to those regions or is anyone that you've been around um, uh, been tested positive or um, or um, have have they been in contact with someone who's traveled? So if if you if you fulfill those criteria, then then you kind of fit the case, sorry, the the case criteria for for having COVID-19. there's no way to completely self-diagnose only because, as I said, like the symptoms are very nonspecific. So mm-hmm. if you fill the case criteria, then then you fulfill like the province's guidelines for getting tested. Um, in terms of getting tested, there are assessment centers which are open around the city. There's one at Toronto East, uh, which is sort of on the Danforth. St. Joe's and Parkdale has one. We've got one up in uh, Etobicoke, Brampton, and Peel. Um, and there are more opening every day. So if you go to the Ontario website or even Google um, COVID assessment centers, um, then then you'll get a list of possible places you can go to to get tested. Alternatively, you can call your family doctor and let them know, hey, I have this, you know, cold and I have a a risk factor. I think I should get tested. And then they can either guide you to the right spot or make the right preparations in their office to have you come in to get tested. Uh, what, what's your advice to people who are sort of panicking and feeling just anxious about this in general? Because, you know, realistically, it is a very uncertain time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think to a certain point, panic and anxiety is useful because the only way to 
to slow this down and to contain it is through behavioral change. Like we need, we need to completely change how we function as, as a society. Um, so I think, I think a certain part of that is useful, but in terms of, in terms of becoming overly anxious to the point where, you know, you're not, you're not able to, to live your life to a certain extent. I think it's important to remember that, that most people who get this are completely fine. So we're seeing 50% of people who get the virus, not even show symptoms. Of the people that do show symptoms, 80% is you know they're they're at home, they're they're they've got the cold. That's that's it. Um, I think it's important to remember the people that are vulnerable from this are are older populations and people who have other underlying medical conditions. So um, you know, so keep in mind your parents, your grandparents, um, anyone you know who's got who's got other things going on. Like those are the people that you should be worrying about and trying to help out. Um, and you know we we use this term social distancing which which arguably is not right it really should be physical distancing social interactions are still very important so you know so make sure you facetime your friends or group call your friends or go on twitter and and you know do what you got to do but but just just make sure that you're interacting with people because i think i think that's that's especially important in times where you're not seeing people face to face yeah and I'm not a doctor, but if, if I could just give a piece of advice, like you don't necessarily need every piece of breaking news because if you're just staring all day and just seeing the trickle uh, in effect of just like one hit after another, like it, it's going to have a toll on you as well. So, you know, just give yourself a break oh, 100%. from all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because you, cause, yeah, like, I mean, every bit of breaking news is not necessarily going to impact you, you know? No. And, and like even even for myself like i'm i'm trying to keep abreast of of every new uh, you know every new case every new um update in terms of how we're going to treat these patients and it's it's not healthy like i i put my phone away go for a walk play with the kids mm-hmm. you know it's it's important to just get, kind of get away from that and still live your own life right for sure um uh how was how is your hospital preparing for what's ahead uh and is there more that the canadian federal government or the ontario provincial government can do to just help you and other medical care professionals yeah, so I think I think we're fortunate in that we've seen what happened in Italy, um, which is you know it's a very advanced, very modern medical system. Um, Wuhan is is difficult to look at because I think they were they were overwhelmed just because it was so unknown. But Italy knew what was coming and and they were still overwhelmed. Um, so my hospital, like we've we've had. Uh, um, meetings every day to talk about how we're going to approach this. We've specified specific areas in the ICU where COVID patients are going to be. We've got backup ventilators kind of ready to go if we need to expand our ICU into different parts of the hospital. The emergency department has like a special COVID area. So so I think I think the hospital are doing a pretty good job to, to prepare for this. In terms of what the government can do, so um, announcing that state of emergency this morning and kind of limiting um, size of functions was was a good step. Trudeau yesterday closing entry to uh, most travelers was was a partial step, but I think I think really what we need what we need to do is, is close that U.S. border. Um, the rates in the U.S. are climbing like they are in Italy. Ours are too, uh, but at a slightly slower pace. And I think you know I think if we keep that border completely open, then we're putting ourselves at risk for um, being completely overwhelmed. Um, you know, malls and, and, and businesses are, are still open. That's that's another thing that, that the government can target in terms of enforcing uh, um, work from home and, and restrictions in terms of what businesses can stay open. But to go with that, they need to make sure that they're supporting workers who, who depend on those jobs and um, 
um, you know, so that's that's another part that, that they got to work on is for every everything you shut down, you got to make sure that people are protected from the consequences weeks and months down the road from now. Right. Um, so getting back to the NBA, uh, the NBA has called out the season for the you know at least thirty days, and Woj reports that. The best case scenario is looking like a June start date with no fans in attendance. Obviously, the CDC has recommended that there are no gatherings of um, 50 people or more. And if you just think about it, even if you have literally just two teams of 15 players and their coaching staff and three officials, that's already 50 people. Like, it's pretty much impossible to do it around that. So, um, you know, June is like a best case scenario. Um, you know, there's honestly, if we're going to be realistic about it, there's a very real chance that the season might get called off. And that would be a huge shame for the Raptors. Just, you know, um, obviously sports are sort of secondary to all the rest of the real life stuff that happens. But if you just think about this Raptor team, it's, it's really abrupt the way it's, you know, it's sort of just been cut off and you know, you're, you're as diehard of a Raptor fan as anybody out there. Um, it's just like, you know, if the season is called off, like what's your lasting memory of this specific Raptor team this season, the 2019, 2020 Raptor season. And, and, uh, and how much fun has it been to just watch this team? Yeah, it's been amazing. And like, like if I were to sum up the season, you know, I would, I would just use like our own slogans, right? Like bet on yourself, understand the grind, you know, defeat all odds. Like that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's like this, this team was written off. After Kawhi left, we're supposed to be, you know, bottom feeders, maybe make the playoffs. I think, I think most of us who actually know the team and follow the team thought that we do better than that, but I don't think anyone expected us to be this good. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of lasting memories, it would, it would just be the fact that we've been an incredible team without actually having the full team. Like, you know, everyone's been injured more than once, poor Norm. Um, oh, bro. And, and, and the fact that we've, you know, like had, had these, uh, I mean, Incredible wins, have having the record that we do. Like I think back to the, the um, Lakers game in LA, mm-hmm. um, the Utah game, obviously the, the, the last game of the season potentially. I mean, um, both like Utah games, man. Both Utah games, that that Dallas comeback, yep. that game in Boston after the Christmas game, like all those games were were such incredible moments um, for for even a good team. But to to be a team that was not supposed to be good and to to have the season that we're having, it would be a shame if. Uh, if it's called off now yeah and and you know by that point there's just i mean first off there's the free agency concerns of like you know what's going to happen with surge and mark and fred those guys are free agents even ronde's a free agent uh you got to figure that stuff out and then like honestly the cap might drop down so much that you know Giannis 2021 might be gone because you're going to lose so much revenue and you're pretty much not going to have enough money and so do you pivot then to keeping your players uh it's like, man, you, you shut down all the flights, and so the Raptors obviously are an incredible scouting team. Like, Masai will go to like Brazil to watch Bruno, and you know, uh, you know, I don't think I think the Raptors are by far the leaders in terms of scouting in the continent of Africa, and Masai and Bobby were in Europe as well. So, um, you know, the Raptors' advantage is is drafting, scouting, development, and obviously this really bites into that because you're pretty much having no global activity, uh, hopefully for you know. Um, until whenever this pandemic uh, is more under control. So there's so many, so many issues that might come through this and I'm sure we'll have time to uh, properly thumb through them. But for now, like this season, you know, you're at a couple of games and stuff like that. Like uh, what, what was the most fun game you've been to this year? In terms of the game I've been to, I, 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 I gotta say the, the, um, the Mavs come back. Oh, you're like, wow. 
I was I was there. I was I was with the whole family because it was like it was the it was the first game of the Christmas holidays. So it was with the kids, the wife, and the mother-in-law, and um, there was just this there was just this air in the environment that like yeah we're down thirty, but like you know there's there's a chance. And then uh-huh. and then you know just just with Kyle out there, just the, just the whole full court press, mixed defense, like everything was just crazy, and it just it just happened so quickly that. Um, like I can't remember the timeline, but I think I think at the end of the third, I was like, "Hey, if they can chip this down to a certain point, we've got a chance." And then, like, we got there within like two minutes left of the third, and then and then it was it. Like it was it was it was, it was a lot of fun to be at. Um, so that was probably my favorite game. Mm-hmm. I got to say, in terms of like general experience, so home opener, oh, the rings coming out when when that when that banner came down, like like. You knew it was going to happen, but just the emotion of seeing that banner unveiled was was incredible. Um, that was super cool. And then the Clippers game was was a was a trash game, but yeah. But the energy in the building was crazy. To like for Kawhi, it was like you know I, I got there late. I was worried I was going to miss um, Kawhi getting the ring, but um, it happened after seven. I guess probably probably because of tv reasons but like i got there at 650 and everyone was on their feet there was not an empty seat in the building and it was just it was just such good energy to kind of give Kawhi the recognition um that he deserved i was gonna say yo, those are three damn good games to be at this year man so <laughs> so you, you at no point and, and during that you know when they were down 30 uh against the mavs without luka Doncic, no point you were like you know what we might have to go home like that thought never popped across your mind no, no, honestly, no, and like, okay. and like, my my daughter had just turned two at that point, so uh-huh. you know, most most two year olds by 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 the third quarter they're ready to check out, but she was in it. She was chanting, well, she said let go Raptor, um, but she was uh <laughs> she was she was into it. And we we're like, all right, well, you know, we'll stick around. We're yeah. we're here. It's a it was a Sunday afternoon game, yeah. And um, yeah, when when they started coming back, man, like the energy in that building was crazy. It was it was a lot of fun to be at. Yeah, no, I was. I, that's one of those things where. I was so impressed with just like the fan base itself because a lot of te- like I mean whatever third quarter is a little early for anyone to leave but like it happens man and and people you know like yeah. it, it, it the fact that in that game like the fans actually spurred the team on it wasn't like the team started doing some stuff and then the fans are like okay wow we got to start cheering it was like no, no no we believe like we really believe that whole time that they were gonna be able to come back and. Yeah, biggest comeback, which is, which is really like kind a... of the whole emotion that that we've had for like the last two seasons, right? Is like, yeah, that's true. Like, I, I, I really feel like we're out of a game. Like, yeah, there's some games where like, like you know, they just haven't shown up for whatever reason. But like, like ninety five percent of the games, if if they're within fifteen points, like I think they've got a chance into into the middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's one of the great things about this team. Like, obviously the Raptors, like ton, tons of great things. Like second in defense, the the third in to, you know win percentage and total wins. Uh, I do very much enjoy that there are two games up on the Clippers, by the way. Uh, but, you know, it's just like uh, the one thing you don't appreciate enough about this team is that even if they lose, they stay in the game. Like, they've been blown out, I think, once this year, but every single game they're in it till the very end. Um, yeah. And it just keeps you uh, around and it competes. But, you know, this season always been a, a, a really great time. But <clears throat> you were part of uh, you know, an incredible championship run last year as well. I, I saw you in... I'm pretty sure I, I definitely saw you in Milwaukee, and I'm pretty sure I saw you in Golden State as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll just say here, you were on Nav's jet. Uh, what was what was that time <laughs> of your life like, man? Like, what's going on? Man, I was, uh, what's I was, your lifestyle when you're on Nav's private jet? Man? Oh, geez. It's, it's, so I was, I was chatting with my wife before coming on here, just kind of reminiscing about, about that time. And, like, honestly, from game five of 
round two, um, all the way to the parade. Like that, that whole run was, was just a movie, man. Like, like every single game, every single event was like, was, was, it was, it was just crazy. So yeah. So Nav's, Nav's jet, I got, I got hooked up with uh, Nav's manager through a friend of mine who had, who had done a couple of trips with him in the past and they were planning a trip for some point in the Milwaukee series. And it just worked out that, that it was game five and I wasn't working. Um, and I had this opportunity and like, again, it's just one of those things where like, I'll probably never get to do it or be able to do it ever again. So I, I, I had to, I had to do it. Yeah. And, um, it was just a, it was a, it was a hodgepodge of characters on the flight. There was Nav, obviously his manager, uh, Terrell Owens was in town, uh, okay. cause he shares common management with Nav and, and he was, he was going to talk somewhere. Uh, so he was on the flight and then like a couple of Nav's employees and then there was like a club promoter. Um, so just a hodgepodge of people. I didn't know anyone until I showed up and like, it's, it's a, it's a crazy experience cause it's like, it's not even that piercing. You're at a separate terminal and you just kind of like walk through and they let you onto the plane. They check your passport like on their own <laughs> at the side. Um, it's wild. Yeah. And wow. then, and then the flight is just like, it was, it was short. It's to Milwaukee. So it was like an hour and a half and then we land. Um, and like the same guys that are like guiding the plane into where we, um, where we docked, we're the same guys checking our passports and customs. Um, it was, it was nuts. And then, and then I got to say, you know, despite what you hear about Milwaukee, Nav actually got a ton of love in Milwaukee. Okay, good, um, good. A lot of people wanted pictures. A lot of people want autographs from Nav. Um, he had a couple of interviews with like some Milwaukee, uh, um, news outlets and, and yeah, he got, he got a lot of love there. So, so that was cool. And, uh, yeah, basically did the game and then flew back. We ordered some pizza for the flight. It was like Uber Eats for a plane. It was crazy. What? Uh, and, and then, and then, yeah, and then got, got home at 2 a.m. that night. And it was honestly like one Whoa. of the most incredible nights I could have as a Raptors fan. And of course, of course, the Raptors won. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great win. Um, Kawhi, man. There's a, oh, yeah. Kawhi Fourth quarter, and, Kawhi. Holy shit. Yeah. It's nuts. And, and Giannis was shook. Oh, Giannis yeah. can't hit free throws, man. If, yeah. Like, like there, there's a solid Raptors contingent. In the first half, he was shooting towards kind of the Raptors bench side mm. of the court, and there was a bunch of Raptors fans around me, and, like, we were all booing the hell out of him. And, like, he was shook. He could not hit free throws in that situation. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I, I, yeah. Was that was that the game I saw you? Yeah. That yeah. was the game? Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. Is, all, is that also the game where you were on open gym? Uh, yeah, so that's – that's if um, – the the episode of the start of the season where they they kind of showed the design of the the ring. There's like a shot of me chanting "Let's go Raptors," and I'm pretty sure that's that game. Yeah, yeah. and you're looking right into the camera too. Oh yeah, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a picture that Keyshawn Mystery took of of Pascal dunking during that game, and it's and like I'm in the background with my arms up, and that's that's still my phone uh, wallpaper to this day. Like I I love that picture, man. So shout Yo. out Keyshawn. Yo, shout out Keyshawn, the god, the god. Uh, I hope he's not stranded in Florida. Uh, cause, oh, jeez. Yeah, because he's working with MLB and stuff, and spring training was down there. So. Oh shoot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's some that's amazing. Um, okay, so night of the championship. How, uh, where were you? How are you celebrating? Were you in Oakland? I was in Oakland. Yeah. So Gee, so uh, me and me and the wife took the kids down for game three and four. Yeah. So we had like a great a great weekend in San Fran. Me and the yeah. wife went to games. It was, it was a lot of fun. And the game six, I had actually got tickets to before um, the finals. What like was even set just just with a buddy of mine. So we went down, um, and then like the game itself was just 
I mean, it was surreal to, to be there. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of like weaseled my way down to court level for the trophy presentation and all of that. So that was incredible. Pascal and Kyle came by and kind of like gave, gave all the Raptors fans, uh, um, high fives at the end of the game. So that was crazy. Um, and then after the game, we had gone back to the hotel that they were staying at for the other games. Cause they're like, Hey, they, they're probably at the same hotel. So the security for, for game six was a lot, a lot more uh, stringent than the first couple of games. So we couldn't get into the actual hotel, but we were there like as the bus pulled up with all the players coming off and there's probably a good, like 40, 50 Raptors fans there uh, just like chanting and hollering and everyone. And like, you know, they were, they were having a great time and it was, it was, it was pretty cool. It was awesome. Yeah. No, honestly, that's, that's probably if I, something like when I'm 80 years old and I forget everything that happened in my life, the, the one thing that's going to stick with me is just like the Raptor fans after the game, like three full sections of Raptor fans too. Like that, it was yeah. not like, it was not like mostly Warriors fans. I mean, it was obviously, but like there were real significant numbers of Raptor fans and like, for sure, just going nuts for like an hour. No one's even out there. It's just like, just people just singing and chanting. It's it's actually like, um, it was so beautiful, man. Yeah. No, like I think I think game four is the game where like I uh, I saw you and I hollered at you, and it was because it was a Friday night, and I think a lot of people had come down. And and you're right, it was three full sections. It was probably a good like two thousand Raptors fans in yeah, that yeah. corner, yeah. and everyone had come down. We're singing No Canada, chanting Let's Go Raptors. And, yeah. No, I'd, I'd die yeah, when they right. started chanting CBC, man. Because they had a CBC reporter. People were like, yeah, we'll chant CBC. I'm like, yo, where's the support when people vote? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's 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 incredible. That's incredible. Um, yeah, man, damn. Honestly, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i not sure the Raptors would have gone, like, to the finals this year, and I'm not really sure what would have happened then. But, like, that's the thing with this. Uh, going back to this thing, man, it's just – like, this team, like, they carried themselves like champions. Like, it didn't matter, like, the circumstances or whatever. Like, this team never cried about any of that shit. Like, Kawhi's not here. Uh, you know, various members of the actual rotation's not on here. You know, Mark's missing half the season. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, they, they really played like champions. And honestly, just as a Raptor fan, like, having seen a lot of, like, not mentally weaker teams, but just sort of... um just having that doubt in terms of like can this team do it they've never done it before we've seen them fail spectacularly the 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 dissonance between like watching like 2014 the 2018 raptors which were good teams that made the playoffs versus like this one which is post championship like i don't even know which team necessarily was better between 2018 or 2020 but like i know for a fact that the mentality of this 2020 team was just so so superior what came before and it was just like refreshing as a Raptor fan you know because we never really had that confidence in that swagger before that, that, that's exactly it. it's just it's just the confidence of walking into any building any game and just being like hey we're we're champions we can win this yeah unbelievable feeling man god I miss the Raptors man I know I, <laughs> I miss the Raptors man um, hey if you if 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 they get back to basketball mm. and let's say they've got like um like six weeks to, to finish the season in, in the playoffs, like a couple of circumstances I've heard, like there's one, there's one like possible March madness type thing where it's just like every team is in it. And it's just a one off to get, to get the championship. Yeah. There's another where it's just like whoever's, you know, top eight in each conference now gets into the playoff. And it's like a, a five, five for the first two rounds and seven, seven for the finals. Um, what, what format do you think would, would be reasonable? And what do you think makes the most sense? I honestly, I think I'm really concerned about quality of play. 
You know what I mean? Like, um, if you just go straight back into the season and then you just say, okay, um, to make it logistically easier, we're only going to host the playoffs. The regular season has just ended. We're going to go straight into the playoffs. Like, it's going to be tough. I think you really need to give players, like, a solid, like, two weeks just to, like, get them their bodies ready and, like, mentally, you know, ready to play and stuff like that. Like, I think, um, you know, it, it's it's already pretty hard right now to, to get players to sort of manage their bodies and we're seeing all the load management and stuff like that. Um yeah, to just go from like being quarantined, which I'm mean, like, I don't know, man. Maybe players are pro- players are probably acting differently in quarantine than I, a regular human, is. But like, it's just a lot of sitting and eating, and you're like, you look at your Fitbit, and you're like, oh, I have taken 800 steps today. Like, you know, it's it's hard to go from that to like, all right, we're gonna play for like an actual playoff game. So, yeah, I think you got to give them like at least two weeks of, you know, I don't really care about the rest of the regular season. That doesn't really matter to me. Um, and then you know, in, in the playoffs, like. I think yeah, five five and then seven seven makes the most sense. Just because again, like logistically, they gotta think about how they're gonna restart the season because you gotta give them an off season as well, and then like how that conflicts with the Olympics. Like, oh yeah, yeah I don't sure. really know, but yeah, I mean, and it'll be tough too because like man, like the Raptors gotta play the Nets first round. Like you know, hope I mean, I I I don't think it's gonna yeah. last for like four months. They're gonna have COVID for four months, but um, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It'll be a weird year, though. Like, it's ultimately, it is going to be an asterisk on the whole season for sure. But, um, for sure. But there's so much to play for, too. You know, like, if you look at it, like, Pascal has an all NBA case. Low key, Kyle Lowry has an all NBA case. Yeah. Uh, and if Kyle gets the second all NBA, then, you know, that really bolsters, like, it the bolsters Hall his Hall of Fame case. Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at, uh, just like, you know, OG has an all defensive case. Nick Nurse, I think, is pretty much the favorite to win coach of the year. For sure. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to play for in that perspective. And then, like, you know, in terms of just, like, the league as a whole, like, I don't, I, I, you know, LeBron, whatever, like, he's been playing at an amazing level. This might be one of his last chances to win a title. And I would have loved to see um, what the Lakers could have done, you know, uh, with that group, especially in a potential matchup with the Clippers. So, you know. And then, you know, there, you know, Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton had another chance to choke. So that's right. Yeah. Could have seen that as well. Um <laughs> So hopefully the season's still on, but damn, I mean, it's, it's a lot going on right now. It's a crazy time. Anyway, Shaker, we've yeah. taken a ton of your time. Um, you know, it, we really, really appreciate not just you coming on the podcast, but just like what you do in general, um, out there on the front lines. Uh, um, where can people find you and your work? Do you want to plug anything? Any last words? Um, I mean, anything to plug would really be just, just staying safe guys. Like, like, you know, take, take care of yourself, wash your hands, don't touch your face. If you've got anyone who's older in your life, um, and and you want to you know take care of them without actually uh, visiting them or potentially exposing them. Um, you know, get them Uber Eats. Make sure that they've got groceries and stuff like that. Drop them off at their front door. Uh, make sure they're safe. Uh, but other than that, just you know, just just try to try to keep yourself uh, safe and healthy. And uh, I think if we do that, then we'll get through this. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Shanks Online, Instagram, Doctor Shanks. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, man. Thanks, we'll appreciate it. Take care. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 